0: Well, if you have your Bible, we're gonna continue in a series called The Blessing, of Pentecost, Man, we had an incredible week last week. Now, in the third service, we honored graduates uh, but, uh, uh, last week, so that would be just a little bit different if you happen to have been sitting in the third service. But uh, we, we talked about the blessing of Pentecost and, and uh, what comes is the promise of Pentecost and, and uh, the power and the promotion of Pentecost comes. And we're gonna look a little bit deeper um, and we're going to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So uh, uh, lots of times we don't really develop this relationship and we have a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but, but God wants us to have a meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, we live in a time that the Holy Spirit is is supposed to produce something very powerful in our life. And we see that in Acts chapter two, which um, um, we read a portion, uh, well, even more than this, but we're gonna start in verse 14 today. Um, When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church's birthday, which is Pentecost, there were tongues of fire that sat on each one of them. They begin, to, they begin to literally speak in other languages that they did not naturally know. People heard the sound. They, some were confused by the languages. Uh, others heard them very clearly and said, wow, they're declaring the wondrous praises of our God in our own dialects from our own regions. And then Peter gave an explanation of what was happening on the day of Pentecost. He said this, he stood up with the 11, raised his voice and said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, nine in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men dream dreams, and on my men servant and maid servants I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Shall uh, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And sometimes God calls us evidently. Uh, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, that's a sign that maybe somebody in here needs to call on God, okay? And that you need to silence your phone. Um, So here's what we see. In the last days, there is a relationship with the Holy Spirit that produces something supernatural in the believer. Sons and daughters, young people begin to say what God is saying, supernaturally. Uh, uh, I like this one just personally, especially with Sunday afternoon coming, old men dream dreams. Come on, I can, I can have one foot in the young and one foot in the old. I'm gonna have visions when I'm awake and I'm gonna take a nap and God's still gonna speak to me, dream dreams. And there will be a, a heavenly interaction. The presence of the person, of the, the Holy Spirit produces something supernatural. And, 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 the, and the odd thing is, is that many, many denominations don't even talk about the Holy Spirit. We don't even recognize him, we know nothing about him. And, and as a result, we, we don't embrace any of these things that God said would be present when he shows up. Now what, what we see is power on the life of a believer Shaking going on in the natural. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke. Okay, there's a shaking going on in the natural. Sun to darkness, moon to blood. How many of you understand those are those are uh, environmental shakings that get the attention of the earth, okay? This is shaking. It's like Acts 2 is taken from our headlines. There's a shaking going on. But what happens? God's power on believers shaking on the planet leads to, and they and many will call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So God's power on his church, shaking in the earth equals an end time awakening and revival. Many people coming to the name, coming and calling on the name of the Lord and being saved. And that's what we're in church. That is, this is the time, this was announced 2,000 years ago. And it never stopped. This power never ended. We're gonna talk a little bit about that today, about why it didn't end. Now we believe that each believer today can still be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the benefits, the gifts, which you saw manifesting just a a few moments ago, subsequently to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit will. So as the Spirit leads and directs, you could actually flow and function with the gifts of the Holy Spirit after you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, um, how many of you know that kingdom work in the midst of the shaking, like, with all these things going on around you, if you were to only look at the circumstance, you're like, how in the world are we ever going to preach the gospel around the world? How in the world are we gonna get the news out? How in the world, we got COVID-19, we're supposed to stay indoors, right? We're supposed to be behind. How are we going to preach the gospel to people, right? And so here's what you need to realize, is that God doesn't leave us in that circumstance, say, well, I don't know, figure it out. He sends us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is is uniquely gifted and uniquely named within the scripture. And today I wanna speak to you the second message in this series called the blessing of Pentecost called knowing the helper, knowing the helper. And this may seem basic, uh, especially after some of you who came on Wednesday night and you felt the, I mean, like a mighty rushing wind through this place and the deliverance of God. If you weren't here on first Wednesday, there'll be another one, Uh, but you missed what, what God was doing here. It was incredible what God was doing in the lives of people and you experience that and then today you're going to hear a message that's going to help you uh, in in the most simple way build a relationship with the one who is moving powerfully in our day. So I want to share with you this message called Knowing the Helper. Anybody ever had a big job to do and you needed some help? Any wives in here ever look at the mess in your house and say, man, I wish I had some help? Oh, don't, don't nod that way in front of your husband, okay? All right? I've, uh, you know, I, we all recognize that some of the things that we face in life, we need, we need help. Anybody ever gotten bad help before? Anybody ever ran a business in Citrus County before? No, uh, okay, anyways. Um, and, and, you, know, you know what it's like to have someone who is not a good helper? But do you know what it's like to have a good helper? Do you know what it's like to have somebody who has the, uh, a heart that's even better than yours for what needs to be done? And that is the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see something today about this person, the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 15 is where we're gonna begin. If you'd like to follow along on the Bible app, you can click today's message at calvary.online. All of those notes will come up in the Bible app. You can find us, we're a live event there, and you can add your own notes. John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. These are the words of Jesus. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you." Who is he talking about when he says another helper? He is talking about the Holy Spirit. He is talking about the Spirit of God. Now, I love this term, another helper, because The reason why he says another helper is because Jesus himself is a helper. He is a helper and all of his disciples knew this. How did they know? One day, Jesus had been preaching a long time, way longer than me, way longer than my messages. Jesus preaching a long time and the day was, I mean, it was passing away and everybody was hungry about 15,000 people there plus. And Jesus, the helper says, um, hey disciples, give everybody something to eat. And they're like, "Ah, uh, yeah, it, it'd take a whole year's wage to feed this many people one meal. And he says, have them sit down. And they found this two piece fish dinner from this young boy, and Jesus the Helper blesses the food, breaks the bread, breaks the fish, and gives it away, and everybody is well-fed, and there's 12 baskets left over. How many of you know that's Jesus the Helper? Jesus the helper is manifested. I could tell you you more stories. Uh, There was this this widow in this little tiny village called Nain in the Galilee region, it's amazing. She had it all planned out. She had hired the mourners because now her son is dead. And there they are in the middle of the street carrying her dead son, all the hired mourners, crying, this is terrible. Oh, she's suffering so much. Oh, cry with our sister. And Jesus, the helper, walks into a city called Maine and messes up a perfectly good funeral. <laughs> Just there going one way, crying, putting on the show, and the helper comes and, and he puts his hand on the boy, the son of the widow, and raises him from the dead. How many of you know that's help? Oh, I could go on and on. Peter, in a brief moment, he, he's like, oh, if it's you out there on the wind of the waves, call me! Jesus says, comes, he steps out of the boat, takes a couple steps, and, and is walking on water, and then for some reason thinks, oh, I can only walk on water when there's no storm with Jesus. Y'all will figure that out later. Uh, He steps out, takes a few steps, look at winds and waves, starts to drown, cries out to Jesus, says, save me. Jesus reaches down, picks Peter up. They walk on the water back to the boat together. That's quite a helper. And Jesus says, it's good that I go away because I'm gonna send you another helper nobody could believe him. And here's what I would say to, to, to us, is that many times what we find ourselves in as the church is the spot that the disciples were in after Jesus's ascension, before Pentecost. And that is not really knowing the nature of the next helper that, ha- that is coming. And today I want to start to introduce him to you in the most basic way The Holy Spirit, the helper, let me say it this way. First and foremost is God. He is God and God is good. So that means the Holy Spirit is a good helper. He is a good helper. The word helper uh, is parakletos. That's how you would say it in Greek, unless you're Southern and you try to say Greek things and then you say paraclete. Okay, okay, it's parakletos, okay, is actually how you say it in Greek. Uh, He is the one who has come alongside to help. That's what that, Parakletos means, but it actually means uh, as if an advocate were walking you into the court of heaven. It, it was, it's, it's one called alongside to help who will, who will speak truth on your behalf. And then he says something very powerful here. He says, and not only will he be with you, will he be the one that is called alongside of you, but that helper is actually going to be in you. But you need to know this from the very beginning, that the Holy Spirit is God. You see, 2 Corinthians three seventeen says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And Now, listen, we as Pentecostals, we look at this and we just wanna just go into dancing because we're like, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we're like celebrating the freedom, but if you don't celebrate the Lordship, you'll never walk in the freedom. If you don't celebrate the fact that the Holy Spirit is God, you never get the freedom that comes from that God moving in. Now, you say, Pastor Alex, why, why, why are you bringing that up? Uh, well, because there are entire movements that knock on doors every Saturday that say the Holy Spirit isn't God. They probably showed, they probably showed up at, at your house and said, there's a worldwide event coming. Jehovah's Witness. And here's what they say. Oh, the Holy Spirit. He's just a force. He's just, he, he just the will of God carried out. And, and yet we see clearly in the scriptures, he's God. And so if you and I don't embrace another helper, the good helper as God, then we will somehow diminish who he is and therefore diminish his role in our life. Now, in our politically uh, correct culture, it is very important that we get people's pronouns correct. Some of you will understand what I'm talking about in just a moment. Notice in John 14, the words described to use the Holy Spirit. It says, he may. It says the world neither sees him or knows him. It says, you know him. He dwells. Evidently the Holy Spirit is a person. You should write that down. A person. He is a person. Now, I'm not going to go into the depth of what makes a person a person, but I am going to give you three ideas that are associated with the person of the Holy Spirit, which, which can be associated with you as well. And that is, when you're a person, you have a will, you have a mind, and you also have emotions. And I want to I want to talk to you about those three aspects of the Holy Spirit today because I want you to begin to know the Helper. My, my my the deep cry of my heart is that you would live in intimacy with the Holy Spirit because when you do, you live at another level of effectiveness not only in your life personally living in victory but the kingdom comes through you ministering to other people and in a in a in a completely more effective way now the holy spirit is a person first because no just jot it down he is he has a will he has a will you would say he has desires but you know of the will as God's will. First Corinthians 12, 11, after describing all of the, the manifestations of the spirit, the manifestations of vocal gifts, of mind gifts, of power gifts, the nine gifts of the spirit. First Corinthians 12, 11 says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, each believer, believer individual as he wills. The Holy Spirit has a will. He has a desire. Now, let me show you how it manifested in the life of of Paul in Acts 16, verse six. It says, now they had gone through Phrygia into the region of Galatia, and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia hang on, this is for those who've been around the church for a little while. I mean, we so encourage, 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 encourage you to preach the gospel. This verse seems out of place in the Bible that the Holy Spirit would actually say to people, don't preach there. And what was he saying? Don't preach there right now because later is coming a revival to Asia. A whole move of God is coming to Asia. It includes Ephesus, it includes the the seven churches which are established and read about in the book of Revelation. There is a revival that comes to this area, but the Holy Spirit expressed his will to people who wanted to do something for God and it was simply saying this. He's saying, hey, listen, my will is not there now. And then what happens? A vision appears to Paul in the night, verse nine, a man of Macedonia stood pleading with him, said, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. He's saying, listen, uh, the the Holy Spirit expressed his will. He's a person. He said, listen, don't preach there, do it here. So there's clear direction and interaction. But let me give you just personal experience as someone, uh, you know, I've been in vocational ministry uh, this year at this church will be 20 years in September. And number one question asked of me, number one, by far, by far, is pastor, how can I know the will of God for my life? And here, what we see is that the will of the Holy Spirit is being clearly expressed by, to the followers of Christ. And let me just give you two really simple things when it comes to finding the will of God for your life. Number one, The broad will of God is revealed in His Word, and I will never, ever discount this Word. You better believe that everything that we do has to be founded on the Word of God. It must be. This is why we spent weeks after Easter elevating the Word. Elevating, because God wanted to do a, a, a restorative work in our lives, so we, what? We elevated the word. But did you know that general will of God will be revealed here, but the specific will of God is actually revealed by his voice through the spirit, confirmed by his word, confirmed by his word. You have to follow the leading of God's spirit. Have you ever been there? where God said, I want you to go here and you didn't know why I tell you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I can remember a day where, where I left a gas station pumping gas in the church van had a bunch of young people and I'm like, somebody finish pumping this gas. God spoke to me and said, just walk across the street. In a series, through a a series of events of just obeying that voice of God, we end up leading worship on the corner, on the state line of Tennessee and Georgia, and God healed a marriage. It was a radical, I mean the most radical God moment that happened because the Holy Spirit said, I want you to walk across the street over here. Just, Just walk over there. And then it led me to go inside. I, there was a sign outside that said, live music here. And I thought, we've got a band? And so we brought the band and said, hey, can we worship outside? And, and, and three states have to stop at that corner. I'll tell you what, man, we had a time. Man, you, the devil went down to Georgia, but he just didn't drive into Tennessee, okay? <laughs> He stopped at the corner at the store called Heaven's Gates. And there we were praising God and the devil stayed in Georgia and everybody else in Tennessee got wonderful deliverance. That's awesome. Praise God. Can I, can I just ask you this? In your relationship with the Holy Spirit, have you ever asked this question? What do you wanna to do today? Most of us are going to say, nope, nope, nope. I never had, I never asked. Why? Here's why, because we don't think of him as a person. And any other person that we have in our life, we'd say from time to time, hey, what do you want to do today? And it could be that God wants to speak To us and do something through us most of the time he'd say come on I'll show you but we've got to learn to walk in a different level of intimacy and appreciate this good helper that God has given to us I want to give you just a second point here not only does he have a will but he has a mind John 16 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Let me say it very clearly. If the spirit can guide you, that means he knows the way. That means he has a mind. If the spirit will speak to you, it means he knows what to say. How many of you have been dumbfounded in the last couple of weeks and say, well, oh man, I find myself in these situations and I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Could it be that that was a moment that we were supposed to lean on the helper and say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me to say in this moment of brokenness, in this moment of pain that is, you know, that is going on in the, the African American community? What, what, what is it that I should say? Let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit says, I'm only going to speak what I hear. And how many of you know the Holy Spirit hears the voice of God because he is God? And it would be a good thing for us as the church to say what God is saying in a moment of brokenness. Listen, not only does he have a mind because he knows the way, and does he have a mind because he knows what to say, but if the Spirit tells you things to come, that means he knows the future. And you and I need to learn to lean on this good helper. I want to just finish today by summing it up and saying, not only does he have a will and does he have a mind, but he also has emotions. The Galatians chapter five uh, says this, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Can you separate the emotion from those two? You really can't. Holy Spirit has emotion, joy. By the way, if you're sad and you're born again, that means you have to totally stifle what he's doing in your heart to say, no, I'm going to choose to be sad. But the Holy Spirit himself will manifest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things, there's no, there's no law against these things. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So then if we live in the spirit, then let us also walk in the spirit. He's saying, listen, a submitted life of the believer will have the emotions of the Holy Spirit, but you need to know this today. Listen to me, church, listen, and we'll will end on this. Not only are there all these positive emotions, but there are also the emotions that, that we would never want to do to God. Ephesians 4.30 says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He also carries the, uh, an ability to be grieved. You say, what grieves God? Sin. Matter of fact, if you read Ephesians 4, it reads like today's headlines. Let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor for for we are members of one another. Be angry, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Boy, this is going around everywhere. Nor give place to the devil. Every city street in America has given an opportunity for Satan to reign. Let him who stole steal no longer. We're reading the headlines, people. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good and necessary for building up that it may impart grace. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Listen, sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you how it grieves. It grieves him in two ways. First, if you're here and you don't know God through Christ, he's grieved. The Holy Spirit is grieved that you don't know the grace of God through Christ. It grieves him and you feel it. You feel the tugging, you feel the, the movement of God, the love of God saying, be redeemed, be made whole through Christ. But then there's another grieving. See, grief means to mourn the loss of. And what, what happens, how do, how do we as believers, who are already clean by the word, experience? how can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Here's why, it grieves him when we lose intimacy with him. Because we don't lose our salvation we lose intimacy with Him, an awareness of intimacy. When we enter into anger, malice, envy, letting sun go down on our wrath, all of this, and and then you feel that thing, that thing on the inside, you're like, oh, man, when I do something I know it's out of the will of God, I'm like, oh, God, and then that grief of the Holy Spirit leads to, He convinces me, and I am convicted that I need to change, so I repent and say, God, there's a better way. This is the work of the helper, the Holy Spirit. And I wanna ask you today, do you know the helper? Do you know the good helper that he is a person? My prayer is that over the coming weeks, that, that every one of us, that there is an awakening that happens in us to know the Holy Spirit, to walk with him, and to see him move and work in our lives.